Um, I'm still waiting for you to write that first book. Have you started it? Yet? Well, you, you've started it. You've got a lot of it. Yeah, well, I'll get, get you going. I'll, I'll just keep bugging you until you, you get it done. You know I will. Good morning. Good to see you all. And uh, good to have you all here. And uh, where'd Craig go? Oh, he, is he out there? Okay. Carl and uh, Gail Johnson. Ka Carl is one of the brave souls that will get up early every morning and drive a bus with screaming kids behind him. And he can't, you know, he's got a mirror to look at him, but he's one of those brave souls. And, and then we, ha we should have another one coming in in a minute. Craig's here, and uh, it's so good to, to, to have them here. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for a while. I, I always enjoy preaching, and I always appreciate the, the warm welcome and, and the opportunity to minister God's word. Um, so anyway, before we get started, I'd like to just have a word of prayer and then, and then get started. Father in heaven, we come before you, and we just thank you for the opportunities of life that we have to learn about you and to grow in our faith. And uh, Lord, sometimes the times are difficult, and uh, we just need encouragement during that time. And so, Father, as I minister your word today, I just pray that it be a means of encouragement to each one, uh, to help them to get through dark, dark times, and, and to be encouraged uh, in those times as well. So, open up your word today, and, and uh, Lord, may your spirit have freedom to work in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And, and there I was talking about Craig, and he, here he is, and so appreciate Craig, one of the bus drivers, and, and uh, I, I'll tell you, you know, it's, um, before I get start preaching, I want to say something about the bus drivers. Uh, just like we have a, a close family here, we enjoy talking with each other and bantering back and forth. Our bus drivers are the same way. We happen to have a good group of people who support one another. If somebody has some troubles, they, they've got answers, and, and, and they're very encouraging. We can laugh together, and we can talk serious together, and we can talk about how to deal with those kids, and, and uh, it, it's important to have a support team like that. And so I, I just do appreciate uh, each of these, uh, each, each of the drivers that we have. Have you ever noticed sometimes that uh, in life that God is silent? Um, and, and it feels like uh, he's allowing us to endure without any words of encouragement from him. Have you, have you gone through those times? Uh, if you haven't, you're not normal because we all go through those times that, that it seems like, you, you know, sometimes we just seem to be so in touch with God and we're so encouraged, but uh, then there, there are those times where God is silent. Uh, I can imagine what Noah may have felt like when God said, in, in 120 years, you're going to send a flood, now build an ark. And then did God say anything to him before that? We don't have any record of it. There were times he, he was just required to, to be faithful. Um, you know, when God is silent, um, we pray, and it seems like God is quiet. We place our trust in him by faith, yet it feels like the battle we're fighting, uh, we're all alone. We ask God for healing and find ourselves enduring cancer and, and, um, and all kinds of diseases. We ask God to repair marriage, and, and, and the person doesn't change, and so we continue to fight and, and try to deal with problems, and, and things don't change. Um, we have children that uh, are wayward, and we pray for them, and there doesn't seem to be any change in their lives. And, uh, and so, you know... We face all kinds of issues in life, don't we? And we don't see immediate answers from them. And we ask God, where are you in this? We, we have been faithful, uh, and we have prayed so long, and, and uh, we're waiting to get an answer, and sometimes that answer just doesn't seem to come in our time. He promises us he will always be there, and there are times that, again, we just feel alone. And that's, that's very difficult. Um, has God forgotten us? 
Um, does he care? And, and, and the important question is, are, are, are we important to God? You ever feel that way? God, I, I'm not getting an answer. Am I really important to you? you? You go through that sometimes? Are we significant to you? And, and, and it's very, very important that we, we know how to deal with those times. In, in times of silence, we can feel insignificant. And during that time, we, um, you know, some will walk away from God. Some will walk out of the church and not come back because they feel that, uh, that uh, things are not happening the way that they ask them to, to, to come out. Um, God cares about us and what's happening in our lives. And w- when we realize that God cares about us, and we need to know how to respond to God in these times when we feel like he is quiet on us and he's not answering our prayers or he doesn't even feel close. And um, there are things that we have to do. I did a study here this year. Uh, uh, pastor started the study in January of uh, John 13 through 17. And he gave us a whole bunch of other scripture reading to read. And, and I got started on John 13. And I stayed there and I stayed there and I stayed there. And then 14 and then 15. Finally, September, I finished John 17. You know, it's been a good study. Uh, and, and, it, and in that, I've collected, uh, I collated um, a lot of different truths that he found that he mentions in that Jesus mentions in here. This is at the Last Supper, uh, those those chapters, and, and uh, these are the truths that I collated to put together to help us deal with life issues, because we need to know what is important and how he wants us to live and how we are to become like him and how we are to reach out to the world. We need to know how to do that, and that's what this does. But in that time, we have those times of silence, and we need to know how to respond to God and and how to live during those silent times. It's easy to live for God when everything is going well. But when things aren't going well, that's when the lies creep in. That's when the doubts creep in. And we need to know what what kind of truths are going to stabilize us during this time. Um, I have, I, my, my, first, my first point is that there are two words that describe what we need to do when things, when we're feeling like God is silent and we feel distant from God. And that is to remain faithful. That's my first point. We need to remain faithful. When you face God's silence, you need to, uh, you need to choose to hold on to truth. It's always easy to believe the lies. Oh, why is it easier to believe lies? And, and, and then that's when we get depressed. That's when we get discouraged. That's when we want to give up because we are believing lies rather than truths. The first truth that we must never deny is the consistency of God's character. Remember, he said he is a God of love. He loves us. And, 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 he, and we are significant to him. We are important to him. And he's always faithful to us. He is devoted to us. And, he's, and we are definitely significant to him. The truth that we need to realize is that we are never to equate the silence of God with, with his lack of concern for us. That is not a time where he lacks concern for us. Now, let me illustrate it this way. Um, a teacher gives a test, and when the teacher gives a test, she says, I don't want anybody communicating with anyone else, and, and I'm not going to answer your questions. I, I expect you to, to take the test and, take, and do it all on your own. And so, uh, so she's sitting there and watching everybody, and, and, and she's, she's seen Dave look over here, uh, to try to find an answer, and, and, you know, of course, she corrects them, but, but um, uh, you, you know, she knows some of them are struggling out there. Is she going to help them? No, she's not. Why isn't she going to help them? Because 
Because she wants them to take the truths that they've learned in her class and apply them to these situations. She wants them to think. And so the struggle is good because she is seeking to get them to think and come up with answers on their own. And, you know, when God goes silent on us, uh, he, he wants us... He, uh, he wants to know if you are willing to continue to trust him. If you're willing to live by faith. If you're, you're willing to be faithful to his teachings and commands. In that, he's saying, do you really love me? You said you loved me. Now, now that I'm quiet, do you really love me? Are, are you really willing to 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 hold on and, and, and accept my love and believe that I am faithful to my word, that I love you, are you willing to do that? I want you to prove your love for me even when I'm not, I'm not as obvious to you as normal. I want you to prove your love for me by being faithful. That's what he wants us to do. And so, so he wants us to continue to live by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. He wants us to live uh, by taking the, the teachings and commands of the word and applying them to our lives and continue to live by them. Even when God seems silent, he never stops working in our lives, does he? And, and it may be imperceptible by us, but he is working in our lives. He does care about us. He does love us. He's got a plan for us. And he's continuing to guide us and guard us and provide for our needs. And, um, oh, there's so many things we could say about all of this, but I've only got so much time. They, they say I do have to quit sometimes. And I, I like churches that have calendars rather than clocks in the back, but... <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> God's silence does not exempt us from following his teachings and commands. Just because he's silent doesn't mean that we give up on our responsibility to God. And, 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 and you know, it's just, just like uh, uh, those of you who are parents realize that there's a time where you hold your, hold your child's hand and do everything with them and show them how to do everything, but there's other times that you give them instructions, say, go ahead and do it, and you leave them to, to themselves and allow them to do it. They, they go off with other people by themselves. They, they spend the night with their friends, and, and you're letting them go because you want to see how they're going to act in those times, and you, you, have, no, you have no presence with them to change them, and, and, and God has given you that opportunity to, to learn and to, to remain faithful. And so we remain faithful in prayer, and we remain faithful in, in obedience. Uh, he wants us to spread our wings of faith and apply God's word to what's happening. Now, what are the truths that we must, to which we must hold firm? And this is part of the, the study in John 13. I'm not going to do everything, but I'm just going to choose a few truths that I think are important. Um, uh, on my paper, I've got, I've got just about 20 truths that, uh, that the passage talks about. Remember, this is all during the, the uh, Last Supper that he gives all this information and he's just very concerned about his disciples. And so, um, so these are truths that we need to focus on as we, uh, as in these times when God is silent. The very first truth uh, that we find is in John chapter 13, verses 12 through 17. And um, this is his teaching that we are to serve one another. Now, I, I put this in here for a reason, and, and let me read this to you first. He says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, uh, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set, uh, you, as an exam I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. 
I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now, I choose this one because um, this is one of the very first things that Jesus did when he, he had the Last Supper. Uh, the first thing he wanted them to learn is that, that I want you to serve one another. I want you to see the importance in other people, and I want you to do what you can to serve them and encourage them and build them up in the faith. Um, when things don't go our way, it's very easy for us to focus inward. Uh, we think of our own suffering, our own hurt, our own disappointment, our own loneliness, because things just aren't going our way. Uh, Jesus tells us that we need to focus instead on serving others. He would be dead in 24 hours. And the disciples are going to be left together. I want you to know, he says, I want you to know that, that in order for you to, to, to pull together, you need to be serving one another. And, and, and that is so important that we learn how to serve each other. Uh, he desire, he de desires us to serve others. What are you doing to serve others? Why should that change when you are facing God's silence? Is it all dependence that, that God has to make himself known every, every single minute? It should not change the fact that we need to serve one another. We're living in a generation where, where everybody um, is feeling entitled and think that everybody ought to serve them. Why is the government giving away so much money, you know? Uh, they, they want everybody to, to be dependent on them and make that feel like they deserve that. We don't deserve it. We need to earn a living, you know? But he says, don't feel that you need to be entitled. Don't adopt the world's sinful desire to want everybody to serve them because he calls you to serve others. Be productive during that time instead of sulking that things are not going exactly your way. So serve others. Number two truth is this. Um, we need to continue to love God. And do you know how you are to love God? Uh, we, we think of those emotional times. We had some good music, and, and that, that draws us to the Lord, and, 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 you know, that encourages us emotionally, and we have an emotional attachment to God at that time. But that emotional attachment is not what drives us during those times as much as learning how to be obedient. Because we show our love for God through obedience. Look at John 14, two verses, 15 and 21. John, John 14. It says this, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And then verse 20, 21 says, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. So uh, we show our love by obedience. That's what God calls us to do. He, he, he says, I want you to demonstrate it to me. And he commands specific behavior. Um, specific behavior like loving one another and forgiving each other and being kind and helping each other. We are not to deviate from obeying God even when he is silent or we are hurt or when others mistreat us or others fail us. And they're going to. You ever been failed by somebody? Disappointed? We are. And yet that is not to determine our actions we are to choose to be obedient to God even in these times. When God commands us, he does not want us to deviate from obeying these commands. Um, don't make excuses for not following his commands. Commit yourself to his commands and teachings. Uh, a couple other verses here. 
14.23 says this. Jesus uh, replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. Now, uh, what's different from this than the other verses? The other two says, obey my commands. But this one, he says, my teachings. My father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Uh, he who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Uh, these words you hear are not my own, but they belong to the Father who sent me. And so there's commands and there's teachings. This is how you put these commands in, into practice. And he teaches them. He says, uh, uh, if you don't forgive your, your brother, neither will God forgive you, back in Matthew chapter, chapter 7. And, and he, you know, we need to, for, to forgive, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Uh, these are teachings that we are to uphold. And so we, hold, uh, we obey commands and we obey teachings. And so when God is silent, he is giving us opportunity to, to continue to show love by obedience. Now, it's kind of like college students going off to college the first time, you know? Uh, how many of you gone off to college for the first time and maybe got a little wild uh, in those first uh, few, yeah, okay, yeah, there, there are those times out there, aren't they? W what happened? You got out from under the authority of your, okay, some of you knew what those two adult beings were in your family, thank you, thank you. Uh, it, it, you, you got out from under the authority of your parents and you said, oh, I've got freedom, I can do whatever I want. Some of them say that. Some of them went to work and <laughs> they knew what to do. But, but some went out and party, got into, got into trouble and, and some drop out because they didn't know how to act without parental authority. So God, when he's silent, kind of takes away that parental presence. And he says, all right, what are you going to do now? Are you going to love me? And, and show your love by obedience to me? Or are you going to go wild and, and, and let fear run you? Uh, are, are you going to, to be depressed? Are you going to get angry? Are you going to become bitter? And uh, what, what are you going to do when you don't feel my presence? See, we excuse a lot of that when we don't feel God's presence in our life in some way. And so he wants us to, he, he wants us to be obedient in those times and, and, uh, and, and not turn away because, um, uh, because uh, just because uh, we don't feel his presence, we can't, we can't go in the wrong direction. Now, uh, this word commands, he says, I, I want you to show your love by obeying my commands. I, that, this is one of the studies I did during, during that time that, that I got me. Well, why are we so, uh, so, so opposed to commands, the word commands? Why are we? I mean, you, you know, how many of you, we've got a commands, we've got all kinds of commands around you. How many of you drove to, to church today and did not go over the speed limit at all? I did because I, 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 knew, I knew I was going to preach on this, so I did. But usually I don't. <laughs> Why don't you... Uh, why don't you obey the letter of the law of the speed limit? Because you don't want to be told what to do, right? Oh, two miles an hour, three miles an hour. Oh, man, you know, uh, it's not going to get us there that much quicker. But, but, you know, we like to go over those commands, don't we? God gives us commands um, because they are, commands are essential because they are un God's unalterable standards. Uh, teachings you can apply in a lot of different ways, but commands you cannot. I mean, the commands of God are, are solid, and, and we are not to deviate from them. But, you know, that's what we want to do. We want to deviate from them. And if we think, if, if, if God is silent 
We think that we have free reign to do what we want with those commands that he has given us. And that's what we have to avoid. We have to realize that God's commands are still to be responded to. And, uh, and what is the central command that Jesus gives us in, all of the, in these teachings on uh, chapter 13 through, through 17? It's chapter 13, 13 verse 34. Uh, and it says this, a new commandment, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you can choose if you want to. Is that what, is that what the next word says? So you must, you must, you must, you must love one another. In other words, don't deviate from it. And, and, and you're going to have people that you're going to disagree with, you're going to be angry with, you're going to be disappointed in, they're going to give you a rough time, and God still calls you to love them. Now, how, that is, how that's going to happen, that's, that's what you have to figure out. But it does not give you an excuse to hate them. Uh, he that hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in them, John, 1 John 3.15. You, you know, the, we, we, tend more to the, we can tend more to the hate than we can toward the love sometimes. And, uh, and we need to continue to obey, not hold grudges, not become bitter. Uh, we, we, we have to do what's right. And, and loving takes humility on our part. It takes humility to treat a person in a way that honors God. Because we have to put ourselves down because we're ready to take revenge and we're ready to say something sometimes that they just deserve it. Don't they? Yeah, they deserve it. And we're ready to say it. And some of them, some, when you don't have a... When you don't have a filter on it, you will say it. Love is the filter that we need to have on there, and we need to treat people with love. These truths don't mean anything unless you're practicing them. And let me tell you how I practice this one. And it's something that just stands out in my life. When I was in Davison, uh, pastoring there, I had a man with whom I could really relate to. Uh, love this guy. I mean, we could talk about the deep things of the Lord. He had, he had such an interest in reaching the lost, and, and, and we connected on so many levels. And, and, and I, I would probably go over and visit him and his family more times than I would most of the other people because, because of just how we just connected and, and talked about things. I needed that encouragement. However, during one of the uh, uh, church disputes, something happened, and he, he took the other side, and he said something that really hurt me. Oh, man. I mean, it, 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 when it comes from a friend, it's like a dagger in the gut, you know. And, and they left the church. And um, I really didn't see him and his family much next two, maybe three years. I, I'm not exactly sure. Then one day he came in to me. He wanted to study for ministry, and he needed somebody who was going to mentor him during that time. And he, he sought to make things right, and I had a decision to make. Am I going to forgive him and go ahead with it? I'll tell you. My, my wife says, don't do it. <laughs> uh, she, she was not encouraging me at that time. But, you know, I felt that I had to, and it wasn't Lori, by the way. I wasn't married to Lori at that time. <laughs> one, one, thing I have to say about, one thing I have to say about Lori, I'll tell you something. She's a very forgiving person, and, and when, you let, when you finish something, she lets it go. I, I love that about you, Lori. I, I do, yes. But anyway, I... I I, for, I chose to forgive the man. And it took a while to come back into that same kind of fellowship, but we did. And, and over the years, uh, you know, we've been friends. 
You know, when you leave a church, everybody say, oh, we'll see you. We're going to come over and see you. He was one of the only ones that did. <laughs> and he is a wife. And different times to encourage me over the years. I went through some other hard times, and, and he was there to help me. And then, and then just a year or so ago, you know, he's been wanting to get in ministry, and, um, and he talked about a church that he was considering, and it happened to be one of my churches, a church in an area where I was good friends with people there uh, many years ago. And I just gave him, gave him a very good report, and, and because the people knew me and, and what I had to say about him, that, was, that had something to do with him being accepted as a pastor there. And he's pastoring there now. But you see, love has to be willing to do the hard things in life. And, and, and you need to forgive people. And God calls you to do that. But that is an expression of love. And uh, that's what God wants us to do. Um, when God is silent, we must commit ourselves to obeying his commands and his teachings. It's very important. The third truth is that we need to live in constant relationship with God. John 17, 3 says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Uh, sometimes people look at eternal life as, as just a length of time, but it's more so a quality of life. It's a relationship with God. God created us to be in relationship with him to, draw, to know him and to fellowship with him. And that's what Jesus said in John 14, or John 15. Um, he says, uh, remain in me. Re remain means to live. Uh, the King James uses abide, uh, but it means to, to live in, uh, to, to live in a house. You're there. You feel comfortable with them. Remain in me, um, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit uh, by itself. Uh, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So um, think about a, a vine and a branch, that they're in constant relationship in order to bear fruit. A and so this is what he wants us to do, is to remain in constant relationship with him. A and for that, we need to be a holy people. We need to confess sins. Uh, and, and we need to learn to uh, draw close to him, um, no matter what's going on. Um, back when I was in, in Davison, uh, I faced uh, an 18-month depression. It, most of you know me as a very happy-go-lucky kind of guy. I went through 18 months of really heavy depression. I love to sing. I could not sing. You know how singing takes your emotions. It just, it just draws them. When you sing a lot, it just, you come away weary. I could, I could, not, I could not express emotions uh, during that time. Sometimes when somebody says something that least bit critical, it literally felt like my heart melted right into my stomach. Anybody have depression that bad that they've actually felt that? Uh, it, it, it was, I, I don't know how else to explain it. You, you just lose purpose. And, and, and you, you have, everything you do, you have to make a choice in order to do it. Because it does not feel natural. What felt natural did not come naturally. You had to choose to do it. And, and, and so my emotions and my, my hope were drained. But during that time, I chose to not allow that to deter me from my relationship with God or in serving people. I chose that. I chose to continue doing what was right. Um, I chose to continue praying and studying God's word. And, uh, and in fact, my depression drove me deeper into God's word many times because I was, I was seeking for, for more help. I chose to trust him despite how I was feeling. And as much and as hard as I prayed for the depression to leave, it held on with a vengeance. It would not leave. You know what that depression's like. 
you've been sharing that with us when, when you went through your COVID. It's tough, isn't it? It's very tough. It just drains everything out of you. Then one day, I was with family. Um, Nancy's family, my, my first wife, her family loved the Lord. There were three of us in ministry. Out of the five kids, uh, three of them were involved in, in ministry. And so we would talk about the things of the Lord. And I was talking with brother-in-law, Don, and, and uh, he, just, he just shared, uh, you know, some, some, uh, some details about faith and prayer. We, we got talking about that. And when I came home, one of the things I like to do when I pray is uh, I, would, I, I like to walk. And so there was a ball field out behind the church, and I was out there. I was walking like I'm walking back and forth here. I can't stand still. But, uh, but you know, I, I went out there, and I was praying, and I was praying about different things, and I, I, I came to this issue of depression. I started praying for that. And it wasn't any more emotional or, or, or I, I just continued to uh, come to him by faith. And you know what happened? That depression just was, felt like it was lifted right off my back. And I was completely free from that depression. After 18 months, it was gone and I was back to my old self. I was close to the Lord I, <laughs> during that time, but, but it was gone. God did that for me. But you know what? God was, felt silent so much of that time, but still, he heard me, and he was helping me through that. He was sustaining me. And... Uh, and, you know, it was after this that I learned a lot of the lessons that he was preparing me to learn. And, and, uh, and those were very important and significant lessons. But it wasn't until after I'd gone through this time that I could learn those deep lessons and God's faithfulness through all of that. But, see, the key is that I continued in relationship with God I continued in talking with him and trusting him and remaining faithful to my calling. In my daily reading of studying his word and fellowshipping with God, I continued on in spite or despite how I was feeling. It wasn't based on my feelings. It was based on my commitment and wanting to love God. When God is silent, we need to continue to do those things that build and maintain a relationship with God and he will honor your faithfulness. You live in constant relationship with God. And that's what he's telling us all in John 15. Oh, man, that's, that's so, so strong there. I just chose one verse, but, but that's what it's about. Fourth truth, we need to live by faith. John 14, 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You have faith in God, have faith in me. To, to have faith means you believe that you have complete trust, that you have confidence in him. And when, sometimes when God is silent, our hearts can become troubled. Uh, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. In these times... When we feel God is silent, our hearts can be troubled. It can be anxious. We can worry. We can feel forsaken. We can feel unease because we are not in control. That's how we feel. And, and we don't want, um, we don't know what will happen to us. This is, this is where faith comes in. When, when God is silent, we need to continue to trust in him. We need to continue to have faith. His silence is not because he has fallen asleep like your husband as he's watching television. How many of you have husbands that fall asleep while watching television? <laughs> my, my wife's husband does that too. So. <laughs> Jim, you're going to miss the program. <laughs> I'm sleeping. <laughs> Let me sleep. 
God doesn't do that, though. He doesn't fall asleep. He's always awake, and he knows what's going on, and he's going to help you, and he's going to take care of you. When we think that God doesn't care, we question his love and think that uh, we are insignificant in some way. Um, you know, one of the things that God uh, does for us to encourage us in our faith let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, chapter 14, 1. Uh, in my Father's house are many dwelling places, uh, many rooms. If that were not so, I would, would, I have not, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? He wants us to keep that in mind. Paul s tells us, uh, uh, set your minds on things above. Uh, because God has a place for us child of God is going to heaven. And we need to realize that we are so significant that God made us his children and gave us a place to live. There are many rooms there. He gave us a place. He's got a place assigned to you. I have room 48, 37, 62, 95, 63. Yeah, no, I don't. But You know, we have, we have a room assigned to us. And, and that is to encourage us, that we have faith. We continue on. We, 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 we do what is right. And, and so, so uh, faith believes that God stands by us because he has, declared what, he, he has declared himself to us. So when God is silent, we must intentionally live by faith. And, and the most important thing of it is faith is more than just an intellectual assent out there. It's something that, that we take very personal, that God is concerned about us. We are significant to God. And when we forget that, we think that we're not that important. But we are significant, significant to God. I like that song that was saying about God seeing us, forming us in our, in our womb. It's the, the, the clay and the, the, uh, the canvas and the clay. Uh, man, God's working in us, and we're important to him. That, that truth was really driven home to me this last spring. Um, as I was... Uh, um, some of you don't know that when I was at Calvary Bible Church of Lapeer as a youth pastor, that church uh, has had a radio station since 1926. And, and all of us who are, um, all of us who are, um, were on staff had to pull radio time. And so I got to announce programs, read news, and I was a DJ. I got to pick all my own music and, and play them, and as a result, you know, I would pick my favorites, and, and I really got to know a lot of these songs, and one of the songs I really came to like was one that talked about a parable, um, and it was called The Ninety and Nine. Uh, how many of you remember that song? Some of you, some, not very many of you do. <coughs> That's what I figured, so l let me read it to you. I decided not to sing it to you. I was going to spare you the, the pain of that, but let me read that song to you. It, it goes like this. There were ninety and nine that safely lay in the shelter of the fold, but one was out on the hill away, far from the gates of gold, away on the mountain wild and bare, away from the tender shepherd's care. Lord, thou hast here the ninety and nine. Are they not enough for thee? But the shepherd made answer, this of mine has wandered away from me. And although the road be rough and steep, I go to the desert to find my sheep. But none of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed, nor how dark was the night that the Lord passed through ere he found his sheep that was lost. Out in the desert he heard his cry, sick and helpless and ready to die. Lord, why are those blood drops along the way that mark out the mountain tracks? They were shed for one who had gone astray, ere the shepherd could bring him back. Lord, why are your hands so rent and torn? They're pierced tonight by many a thorn. But all through the mountains, thunder-riven, and up on the rocky steep, there arose a glad cry to the gates of heaven, Rejoice! I have found my sheep. And the angels echoed around the throne, Rejoice! For the Lord brings back his own.
I was listening to that song this last spring, and I always saw that song as God taking care of people and loving people and reaching out to them and helping them in their time of need. But then all of a sudden, I saw me in there and what God had done for me. And I'd always overlook that, of how God sought me out. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior when I was eight years old. And I had a typical life of growing up in the church and learning about the Lord. And then in my teen years, I was kind of, you know, I was really, really steady in following the Lord. Uh, <laughs> it was regular, you know. <laughs> and I was up and down. I attended church, but I was going the way of the world. And then when I got into college, at all, oh, this is one of these guys that kind of went off the deep end in some ways. And, and uh, I was really going away from the Lord. But then the Lord started pursuing me in a way he'd never had before. We lived at, I was going to school in Muskegon, and Ravana was about 15 miles outside of town, so there was a 15-mile drive there. And so I, I, I would talk with the Lord sometimes going, going home, and we had some arguments. And uh, he just wouldn't let up on me. And then he put people in my life who challenged me, our pastor of the church challenged me. And, and I just struggled all through that spring and, and, and through the summer about what God wanted me to do. And it hit me. That was God pursuing me. I knew all these truths, but God was pursuing me. He wanted me for a purpose. At the end of the summer, Dad came in. He talked to me different times about going to, uh, to Bible Institute in Grand Rapids. And a lot of times people would go there for a year so they could go on in life and you'd be grounded in their faith. So he, he said, Jim, why don't you go to Bible school for a year? I said, okay, I'll go. And it was at that point I yielded my life to God. And you know what? I haven't regretted it since. <laughs> it has been quite a ride, and, and God has blessed in so many ways. But on that morning, while listening to that song, that made me realize how God came after me, and it was at substantial cost to him that he made the way so that I could, I could become his child and also that he could do something for me. God cared for me. He loved me. He wanted me. And we need to realize that we have, each of us, in that faith, that we have great personal worth to God. You feel significant sometimes. Don't do it. This is where faith comes in. And you trust God. And you trust His Word. And you allow that to calm your heart and realize your significance. It's when people are, don't feel significant that they go out and do crazy things. They get drunk night after night. They, they take drugs. They get involved in sex. Uh, and the list goes on and on. Because they're trying to find significance. God is the one who gives us significance. And we have to live by that faith. Never stop trusting God, even when he's silent, because he cares for you. He always has our best in mind. I don't know if anybody's going to come up to close, if anybody's on closing, or do I just close? Oh, you do. Okay. God will be silent. God will be silent in your life. And... What he says is don't give up. Don't turn away from him. Don't allow discouragement to control your life. He has given you an opportunity to trust him, and he does have powerful lessons to teach you if you will continue on. But sometimes we miss out on God's blessings because we go 
our own way, and we feel bad. In those times, be faithful to God. Grow in your devotion to Him, like what I did when I had depression. Uh, seek Him daily. Trust Him constantly, and do what He has called you to do. Be obedient to His Word. Have you given up? Have you been discouraged? Um, that which indicates that you have given up is that you're only going through the motions of, of your faith. You show little love. You refuse to forgive, you, you, you're, uh, which leads you to bitterness, and you become very critical of other people. Today, the choice is yours of what you're going to do with your relationship with God. Are you going to grow and progress? Or are you going to complain and be a quitter? What is it? It's your choice. And God wants you to be faithful. He wants you to be faithful. Um, when God is silent, nothing changes about our responsibilities. But sometimes we choose to walk away from God. Some walk away from God. Some walk away from the church. Some walk away from their family. What kind of actions do you choose when there is a long silence from God? Or maybe God is silent in your life today. Do you need to return to faithful living? That's what God wants you to do. As Just before the closing song, I'd like you just all to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and I want you to take the opportunity maybe to examine your own life. Recognize maybe wrong choices. Recognize those wrong choices and then confess your sin. And then commit, your, commit to faithfulness to God. And choose to trust Him. Choose to draw close to Him. And do what you know is right. That's the, that's the path you need to follow. Will you do that? Don't offer God excuses. In my freshman year of college, I sure offered him a lot of excuses. Don't you do it. Allow God to work in your life come back to him if you need to. Father, Father, you're working in lives today. And I pray that you would give people courage to make decisions to bring about that change that's needed in their lives. Help them to experience your presence but Lord even when they don't experience your presence may they may they be willing to live by faith and may they be willing to be obedient to your commands and your teachings to their responsibilities so Father I pray that you would just work in each of our lives and draw us all closer to you in Jesus name Amen.